I'm John Davis. I'm the pastor here at Common Ground Community Church. I'm so glad you're worshiping with us here this morning. If you're watching us online and checking us out, we'd love to meet you one morning at 1045 here at Bryan Elementary. Uh, we're just glad for you to be here and just to open up God's word and to sing songs and to fellowship with other uh, people who are here to experience what God has done for us in our lives. And so thanks for being here today. Uh, I want to just take you back, a, a couple of you at least. I know one or two of you are 45 to 50 years old. That's kind of the, uh, uh, the common denominator in here. But, but do you remember in 1984, I think it was, the movie Karate Kid? Do you all remember that? And one of the big scenes from that movie, you will see, and I want to put that first picture up here too, you'll see was um, the, the leader of the Cobra Kai dojo uh, was saying to Johnny, uh, there is no mercy in this dojo. And because he'd gotten beaten up by some other people, why were they merciful? And, you know, there is no mercy in this dojo. And so throughout this entire uh, movie, you see this whole ideal that, that there's no mercy. Mercy's for the weak. Sweep the leg, Johnny, you know, and all that sort of stuff, right? And, and then towards the end of the movie, you see where Mr. Miyagi and, and, and the, the leader of this dojo get into a fight. And Miyagi has him on the ground, and he, he's, he, he says to him, uh, uh, mercy is for the weak. There is no mercy. And, and then he honks his nose. Remember that? And so he demonstrates this amount of mercy to him. And so we see this common thing going through this entire movie. And, and for many of us, you just kind of look at that and go, well, man, he should have just beat the guy up. If you know anything about this character and what's going on now, he now stars in a QuickBooks commercial where he is now running the Koala Kai Dojo because he's a calmer, nicer person. I like to think because he's been shown a little bit of mercy. Uh, mercy is one of those interesting topics because we interchange that word with a lot of other things throughout Scripture. And we're going to get into that a little bit this morning. But I want to share a couple of other examples for you. Uh, this next picture is a picture of a guy named um, Rais Bahuyan and uh, Mark Anthony Stroman. And in um, <clears throat> Mark Anthony Stroman, right after 9 11, uh, he declared war upon Muslims and Arabs uh, himself. And so he walked into a convenience store where he shot three people. Uh, Rais Bahunian is the only one who survived, but he did lose the vision in one eye. Uh, and in the process of this, and this is what's really interesting, is that none of the people that he assaulted were actually Muslim. Um, they were Hindu. Um, they were agnostic. They were not Muslim. And so his rage and his anger fueled him to commit and perpetuate a heinous crime against someone just by the color of their skin for no purpose whatsoever but his own hatred. He was so blinded by that, he just assumed anyone not like him must be against him. And so he chose to attack um, this convenience store shooting three people. What's really interesting is, is uh, uh, Mr. Bahunian, um, he had such pity for Mark Anthony Stroman, that he fought for him to not get the death penalty. Uh, this crime actually happened in the state of Texas. And so in the state of Texas, uh, when we prosecute for crimes like this, we do have the option of the death penalty here. M Mr. Bahunian fought for him to not receive the death penalty, going so far as to sue the, the uh, Supreme Court of Texas to defend the man who had killed two of his friends and had shot him himself. He even created his own 501c3 to fund the defense for this man who had attacked him. They only met one time in their entire life through the glass of a prison um, a visitor center. And that day, Mr. Bahuyan and Mr. Stroman put their hands against the glass to one another. And Mr. Stroman looked at him and he says, I'm sorry and I love you. Man, that, that's, that's power when someone demonstrates mercy, especially when you absolutely don't deserve it. This, this other side I want to see was something that happened in 1996 in Ann Arbor, Michigan. 
there was a KKK rally that was held in Ann Arbor, Michigan in 1996. And the, the gentleman here on the left is covered in tattoos, many of which are um, uh, uh, rebel flags and swastikas and a, and a lot of other things that go with, with what you would see in this picture, right? And he found himself on the wrong street with the wrong set of protesters. Because what happened was there was an anti-protest that was going against him, those who were against the KKK and what they believe in. In the process of that, the people began to yell at him and began to tell him to get out of here, to hurry up and to leave. And then that, that, the mob mentality just ratcheted itself up. And then they said, let's get him. And so as they caught up to him, an 18-year-old woman named Keisha Thompson, uh, Thomas, excuse me, Keisha Thomas, dove upon him and covered him up to defend him against those who were beating him and trying to hurt him. After this whole ordeal was broken up, the man got away with hardly a scratch, maybe a couple of bruises. She actually had more damage done to her than what he did. And a few weeks later, a young man walked up to her and said simply this, thank you for giving me my dad back, for defending my father. Mercy is an amazing, misunderstood resource that is fully available to us. And we often think about it at the worst of times, and we use it in the, in, in the wrong ways. Sometimes just trying to gain a little favor. If I'm merciful here, maybe somebody will be merciful to me, but it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at all. And if you have your Bible this morning, I just want to encourage you that, that none of us know what, what it's like to endure this, but we need to understand what it's like to give and receive mercy because we've had it. And so if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're continuing our sermon series, uh, Words to Live By, and we're walking through the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, we're going to be in verse 7 this morning. If you don't have your Bible, we have one back there for you at the next step table. We want to give you one. We want you to have access. We're going to put it up on the screen today too so that you can follow along. We're, we're going to just look at this one verse, but we're going to pull in a lot of other scripture this morning. And Matthew chapter 5, verse 7 simply says this, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Well, it sounds pretty common sense. We're often cautioned, especially by pastors and church leaders, is to never look at the scripture as an if-then statement. If I do this, then God will do this. Now, I, I think it's wrong to say never because I think we should understand when God says, I want to bless you, I want to give to you, I want to pour out to you. If you do what I ask you to do, I'm ready to do that. And so in Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, as we go through the Beatitudes, we actually see a shift here. Because what happens in the beginning of the Beatitudes is we talk about blessed are, are, are the poor in spirit. Uh, and we talk about all these, these attitudes. We're now shifting to action. And so you cannot have an attitude of mercy without demonstrating an action of mercy. Hey, I'm a merciful person. Show me. Mercy is for the weak, says Mr. Miyagi. And instead of punching him in the face, he just says, I'm a merciful kind of guy. Now, if he just said that and keeps beating on him, hey, aren't I merciful? Aren't I merciful? Aren't I merciful? Anybody got an older brother? I mean, you know, you ever, you ever have to, you know, say, remember the word uncle? Whenever they'd hold you down, you have to say the word uncle? I remember one day I was holding down my son. He couldn't have been maybe four or five years old. And I'm holding him down and I'm messing with him. And all of a sudden he starts screaming, Jim, Jim, Jim. I'm like, what is he talking about? That's my brother's name. That's his uncle. It took forever for me to understand that. But, but what he's asking for is mercy, mercy, mercy. And I'm like, I am merciful as I'm holding him down, giving him a noogie, right? No, I have to demonstrate mercy to him. I have to show him mercy. And, and what the scripture tells us that is when we show mercy, God actually gives it back to us. 
Mercy doesn't come within us. It's not something we're just born being merciful. You know, you don't walk out one day and just say, I'm the most merciful person I ever know. I'm humble too. You, you don't do that. You have to demonstrate mercy, and people have to see that and receive that. And so we go from attitude in the first few Beatitudes in the first six verses of Matthew chapter 5. We go to action. And so a kingdom citizen, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, is saying that a kingdom citizen has these characteristics. This is the character of who he is because he follows me. And not only does he think that way and believe that way, he also acts certain ways. And so he acts mercifully. Mercy is, is an amazing thing, but we often get it confused with words like justice and grace. And so just very simply, I want us to, to look at these three words, justice, mercy, and grace, and help us better understand kind of where we're going today because we interchange them in the English language. And it's really kind of an ugly thing that we do with the English language. Now, in the Greek, they'd be different words. I'm not going to get into all that stuff. But justice is simply this. Justice is getting what you deserve. If I did the crime, I'm going to do the time. I did it. I deserve it. I get it. Mercy, on the other hand, is not getting what you deserve. I did it, but I'm not getting what's deserved of me because of the consequence of my actions. I took an action, therefore the action that should be bestowed upon me has not been given to me, even though I deserve it. And then you have grace down there that just simply says it's getting what you don't deserve. And that goes into such a, a larger realm. And so I want to make sure we understand those three words, especially as we look at mercy. Because if we look at those three words, what we can understand is that we all want justice. In our small group this morning with the adults, we talked about how God is a God who loves justice. And the reason is, is because God will not overlook your sin. He must deal with it. Now, he does that in different ways. He judges the unrighteous who do not receive him and do not accept what Jesus did for them on the cross. And he enacts his justice, the punishment that they deserve for those sins. But he also exercises mercy, not just saying I'm a merciful God, but showing mercy, saying even though you deserve to be punished for your sin, I've chosen not to punish you, not because of what you did, but because my grace is sufficient. And so God is both just and merciful and gracious altogether. And so when Jesus is teaching his disciples on the Sermon on the Mount that the blessed are the merciful for they shall, be, shall receive mercy, he's saying you're, you may not receive it in this lifetime, but you will receive it in glory. But you need to demonstrate your worthiness to receive it. And while you cannot do that by yourself, don't worry about it. I got you covered. I'm going to give you this mercy. A couple of ways to keep these things in check is to understand is that justice says you did the crime, now do the time. Mercy says you didn't do it, but I'm not going to punish you. And grace says you did it, I'll pay for it, you're forgiven. All is forgiven. Mercy and grace get tricky because sometimes we look at those things and we think, well, these are great acts of injustice. No, they're not. They're actually acts of non-justice. Injustice would just be to ignore everything and let all the consequences fall and to be inconsistent. And we do not serve a God who is inconsistent. He is consistent in his love for us and all that he does. And we need him to be that way because the day that he decides to be inconsistent and gives somebody else a little bit more room and doesn't give it to us, we're in trouble. We always want what we don't deserve and we don't want what we do deserve. Does that make sense? I know it's a little circular in my mind too. I'm hearing some of this for the first time myself. We have to understand that when we exercise mercy, it is an action, not just an attitude. Furthermore, mercy is voluntary. I can choose to be merciful or not. Justice, however, is obligated. 
this is what the penalty is. This is just and right because of what happened. Mercy, though, is voluntary. Now, that right there strikes a nerve because it, it, that comment alone says, you mean I'm in control of myself? I'm responsible for my own actions? You mean when I'm merciful towards others, that's on me? Yeah, it's voluntary. I choose to dispense mercy. I don't just think mercifully. I choose to dispense mercy or not. If you hear nothing else this morning, I want us to really focus on this single phrase, pray for mercy and then give it away. Pray for mercy and then give it away. And what I mean by that is is simply this. Because I'm not by nature merciful, because it is not within me to just let everybody off the hook, because I don't want to look like just some mamsy-pamsy pacifist, because that's not who Jesus was. That's not who he's calling his people to be. He's not saying, oh, you're a Christ follower now. You should just take all your lumps. You should just let people treat you like dirt. He's not saying that at all. He's saying, actually, mercy says that when justice requires this, mercy says you still account for that, but you do it in such a way to restore that person and point them to Jesus. Justice says you take care of it, you deal with it. And so a merciful person is acting in a just way, but they're pulling back because of the grace they've received. Do you see how the three of those kind of work? And mercy seems to pivot that a little bit and helps us operate from a place to say, man, we just received a whole lot of grace when we should have got justice. God should have done a whole lot more to me, but he didn't. And it's not because of anything I've done. It's because he's good and he loves me and he's gracious. Thank you, God, for having mercy upon me. I mean, mercy is an amazing amazing commodity that we have in our hands and the only way we get it is we pray for it god make me merciful today okay i'm going to give you mercy it's like manna from heaven god says i'm going to give you enough mercy to provide for you today now here's the trick you can't store up manna because tomorrow it's going to go bad you're going to go out and get some more of it and so if god says i'm going to give you mercy for today use it up i'll give you some more tomorrow I'm going to give you an opportunity to be merciful today. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's going to have its own issues. Trust me, I can see the future on that. But today, I'm going to give you enough mercy to sustain you. And guess what? When you dispense mercy, I wonder who's going to get sustained by your mercifulness. So many others. Mercy is a reflection of God's love. And we sometimes miss that because we try to put him in that pacifistic wimpy, long hair, Birkenstock-wearing, hippie-doo Jesus. That's not who he is. Titus chapter 3, verse 5 says, He saved us, he being God, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. It is who he is. It is what he wants to do for us. And when he shows us mercy, he is reflecting his love for us, and he's saying, hey, I got an idea. How about I polish you up a little bit so that you reflect me? And the way I do that is I take the blow pad of mercy and I just rub it all over you and it just drips all over everyone around you. And people look and they they like shiny things, right? You never look at someone and go, I wonder if they're a merciful person or not. You either receive mercy from them or you don't. When you don't receive mercy from them, when they don't do to you what you deserve, you look and go, there's something weird about that. When you set up a 501c3 to defend someone who tried to murder you, That is an act of mercy. When you lay your body down upon someone who has complete ideological differences from you, who hates you because of the color of your skin, it is an act of mercy. It is the renewing and the washing of the Holy Spirit that reflects who God is in us. 
Now, I don't know if any of these people were Christian. In fact, I'm certain a couple of them were not. But I'm going to tell you something. Those acts of mercy are far greater than what we, as those who proclaim Jesus Christ, often display to others. We need to take mercy and let that be a reflection of God's love in us and God's love for other people. Because when we're merciful, they see God. They don't see us. They may ask questions. They might ask you, why did you do that? What a great opportunity to say, because God was merciful to me. He saved me. Mercy also frees us from the chains of unforgiveness. Now, oh, this is fun. If you wore open-toed shoes today, so sorry. About to stop right on them. Today was a steel-toed boot day. Oh, unforgiveness. Isn't, that, isn't it great? I mean, don't you just love not forgiving someone? I mean, don't you just like to look at people and just go, you're terrible. You're the worst. And what you did to me 27 years ago when I was 8 years old, it was longer than that. But I don't forgive you for that. I'm still harboring that. Anybody ever sit around the table with family and recall decades ago what happened and no one's really sure what really happened, but I'm sure I'm still mad at you and haven't forgiven you? No better place to show that than at a funeral. Aren't those fun with family members? Well, Daddy said this about me, and Dad said I could have this, and Dad said I could have this, and the six kids all get to, to crying and carrying on about it. And then there's the one grandchild who actually took better care of Daddy than all the rest of you, and he actually deserves everything that Daddy had. But, oh, no, all of you kids are fighting about what's going on. Not that I've walked in this at all with family. There's no mercy in there because there's no forgiveness. And you've wrapped up unforgiveness and you wave unforgiveness like a banner because you have some sort of right to say, I don't have to forgive that person because they were wrong for what they did to me. Yeah, they probably were. You're absolutely right about that. But you're even worse than what they are because you've let unforgiveness become the banner by which you hold your life and the relationships that you have out there. And because you're bound by the chains of unforgiveness, not only are you not experiencing mercy, you're not dispensing mercy either. You're like that Coke machine at the back of a gymnasium that you put dollars in and it spits it right out and you can see the coke right there and you want everything that's in there but you can't get to it and the reason why is because you got the wrong dollar that dollar's all crumpled up nasty it's not crisp and clean it's not going through the machine and it doesn't matter because as long as it's not in good pristine shape it will not do what it's supposed to do and you don't get what you want you are not a forgiving person so you harbor unforgiveness in such a way that the mercy that God has for you he is holding that up and you're giving it away the wrong way. You're passing it up. saying, no, God, I don't want the best that you have to be given to me. Because the last thing I want to do is give that to somebody else. That's not a reflection of who God is. And when we have those bonds of unforgiveness, it just traps us. Luke tells us in chapter 6, verse 36 and 37, he says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Well, we could probably stop right there. I got a thought. Be like God. Works out pretty good. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Well, Pastor, you are jacked up this morning. You've got all kinds <laughs> of issues because I have forgiven people, and they have, they've not forgiven me. And so what about this whole if-then thing you were talking about? Listen, I, I get it. Some people just, oh, they just need extra grace. They're hard to love. They're hard to be around. They are your sandpaper person. They just rub you the wrong way. I mean, they could say good morning, and you're reading into that, right? What do you mean by good morning? You know, I mean, I get it. You all, you're picturing that person right now in your head. And the problem is, is that it will freak them out if you will go, I'm really not sure what's going on here, but I want to forgive you. And I'm not being trite. I'm not trying to manufacture a situation. 
but there's something not right here. And I think I'm just going to lead out, and, and I feel like I need to forgive you. And if you want to be honest with me and tell me what it is that, that I, I need to either give or, or seek forgiveness, well, go ahead. Because I, I'm going to judge not because I don't want to be judged. I'm going to condemn not because I don't want to be condemned. I, I'm going to show mercy because my God is merciful. And as long as I'm wrapped up in those chains of unforgiveness, I cannot be merciful. I can only be bound. And usually that prison is by your own making. Mercy also does something else. It, it not only gives us an escape from the chains of forgiveness, it also empowers us to serve others. Do you know how difficult it is to carry that monkey on your back and still try to help somebody else? Uh, anybody ever go through an airport and you're, you're, you're pulling a bag and maybe you've got a backpack on too or maybe you've got a small child with you and just wonder why those little wheels are the way they are because they don't roll straight, right? You turn a little bit and the the little drag behind thing pops over. Next thing you know, you're carrying a backpack on one arm and it slides off. Anybody there? Or you got a child, you know, who likes to play the, hey, let's drop the sippy cup game, right? Um, while you're trying to get to your plane or do whatever. Anybody ever been in that situation? Man, this, this is what the problem is, that when we're not merciful, we're like that. And so you try to serve someone with, with one hand behind your back or while you're picking up something else or while you're carrying something you shouldn't be carrying or something's broken and you're trying to make it do what it's not supposed to do. I can't be freed up to serve someone else because I'm not merciful. Because I haven't received mercy, I can't give it out. And God says, I got plenty of it for you. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Let us walk up to a place that we don't deserve the right to walk up to because the, the king of kings sits on that throne and ask him, can I have some mercy? Be Oliver Twist, please, sir, more. Can I have mercy? That verse continues on and says, and find grace and help in time of need. God, I really want to help somebody, but I'm having a hard time trying to figure out how do I serve this person or that person. I know it's good for me to serve. I know it makes me feel good inside to serve, but I'm really having some difficulties because I don't want to go and do that. I, I wonder if you're not being merciful. If you're not receiving the mercy that God has and you're not displaying mercy, you're displaying pity. Now listen, pity actually is manifest in mercy. And so when we have pity upon someone, that's an attitude. But the mercy that we show to lessen someone's pain, whatever it may be, is mercy. And so pity only gets our emotions going, but mercy moves us. Compassion cares, and mercy moves. And so Jesus often had compassion when he would see the people. He's got a couple thousand people right now out in the wilderness right now. And he has compassion upon them because they're a long ways from food, a long ways from fresh water and shelter and everything else. And what does he say? Oh, I feel so sorry for these people. I sure hope they make it through the night. No. Hey, what kind of food do we have? Well, Andrew says, I only have a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. And Jesus is moved from compassion to mercy. And he multiplies that in an act of mercy and kindness because he is gracious. Finally, mercy never runs out. Sometimes I hope that we will wear out in God's kingdom and not rust out. And the best way to stop from rusting is to keep something moving, keep something lubricated, and make sure you're maintaining it well. Now, I don't know about you, but I've got a little thing on my thermostat. The light comes on after so many hours that my, my AC runs and says I should change the filter. And there's a little red light on there. Now, I, I just want to be clear on there. I don't I don't pay attention to that red light. I pay attention to Amanda, who asked me about the red light. <laughs> because 
she's wondering, why is there a red light? Because I need to change the filter. Are you going to change the filter? I had a good idea. I thought about changing the filter. But I didn't actually take action on that, right? I thought about being merciful. But I didn't actually take action on that. Well, I'm just worried that I'll use all my mercy out. Lamentations chapter 3, many of us probably know this verse. Verse 22 and 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. It's an old hymn that many of us sung. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord our Father. His mercies are made new each and every day. And so if you blew yesterday, okay, you blew yesterday. Guess what? If you have life and you have breath, you have opportunity to receive his new mercies today so that you may spill them out upon others and you may bless them. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. They get that from God. You pray for mercy and then you give it away just as fast as you can. You're not going to run out. There's plenty of it. If anything, I would love for God to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You can stop being merciful now. I worked retail for a long time, worked customer service, and I used to bring my team together first thing in the morning. I'm like, all right, we got a big day of sales going on. Here's what we got. This is what's happening here and here and here. Today, this is what I want. I just want one customer, just one today, to walk up to me and say, could you please do something about your staff? They're just too friendly. Could you please make them stop asking to help me? Could you please just do something because these people are actually here to serve me and I don't like it. Just one complaint like that. That's what I'd ask for. You know what I'd get the rest of the day? Does anybody work in the plumbing department? Do any of you people know what you're doing? You never get those things. Wouldn't you love for God just to look at you and say, man, my mercies were made new each and every day because I am faithful to you and I poured them out. You can rest now. You have shown mercy. And because you've shown mercy, your name has been made throughout the community. Not because you've waved your own banner and flag, but because you have been a reflection of God. You have taken off the chains of unforgiveness. You have shown mercy new and every day, and people respect you and love you. If you were to look at another piece of scripture, and this is where I want to end this morning, it's Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And I'm going to put it on the screen because I want us to pay attention to a couple of elements here. There's two very distinct groups of people here. There's the Pharisee and there's the sinner and the tax collector. And the two of them, are, they're going to pray and they're going to make their offerings and everything else. And Luke tells us this, that Jesus was teaching in parables. And he says, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector over here. I fast twice a week. I give tithes all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified. He died. He went down and stood before God justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. I want you to see this passage of Scripture just very briefly to understand this. When we're in the process of trying to make ourselves look better than someone else, I can guarantee you there's no mercy within us. And the reason why there's no mercy within us is because we've not asked God for mercy, and we've not even in prayer reflected back to him our thankfulness for how he's been merciful to us. And so when we're not thankful to God for the mercy that he's poured out to us, we don't ask for more of that. Instead, we just, at the very minimum, have a tendency to make ourselves look better than the other guy. And that's what this Pharisee did. 
And the other guy, with humility, he did not exalt himself, but he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because I'm thinking, if I'm this tax collector and there's this Pharisee, if I'm him, I'm thinking, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because there's a big staff over here, and I'm going to whack that guy across the head in just a minute. Have mercy on me, a sinner, so that I can have mercy on this guy, because things are about to get ugly up in here. Do you ever get to that place? You see, you pray for mercy, especially in those darkest of times. You pray for mercy when you really want that to be shown to you. And God says, I will show you mercy, even if I have to take you back to your past and show you where I've been merciful. And when I show you that mercy, don't hold on to that. Give that away, because if you're not careful, you're going to end up being like that Pharisee, and you're going you're to value the law more than you're going to value truth. You're going to value your status more than you're going to value my love for you. When Jesus is teaching his disciples at the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He's talking to the merciful, and he's saying the merciful consistently demonstrate an action, not an attitude, but an action of mercy. The merciful reflect God's love for each and every one of us. The merciful forgive. The merciful go back to God each and every day, and they renew and they recharge. They get from him what he's given to us. This week, I'm going to invite you to do two things. One, pray for mercy. God, I'm going to confess to you I'm not as merciful as I should be. Not as I want to be, but as I should be. Because if we set our own standards, we're going to fight to keep them. But if we go by God's standards, God, show me your mercy. Let me reflect on that and respond to you accordingly. Pray for that mercy this week. And the second week, God, when you've given me your mercy, will you put someone in my path to show that mercy too? It doesn't do me any good just to hoard this up for myself and to keep it. What does me good and does you good is for me to reflect your love and to show others merciful. Many of us could watch 10 minutes of CNN or Fox or whatever, and the ideals of justice will pop in your mind very quickly. When really you need to be praying for mercy because, this, let's, let's be honest, our leaders right now, our nation needs mercy because we could not deal with justice. God's justice would wipe clear most of us in this room, let alone everybody in Washington. It's by God's mercy that he is sustaining us because I believe he's got better plans for us than we have for ourselves. And we need his mercy to be able to get through all of that stuff, to filter it through and say, instead of acting justly, I'm going to act mercifully. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Those are great words to live by. I'm going to invite you to pray about that this week. Let's pray together. Father, we love you because you are, in fact, merciful. You are the definition of what it means for us to have mercy. And so, Jesus, when you went to that cross, you did that in the name of justice and in the name of grace, but it, it was the action of such that you showed mercy. Jesus, even as you hung there on that cross, one of the last things you said as you looked down upon, upon humanity and those that were, were, who had offended you and beaten you and ran from you and turned from you, you said, forgive them, Father, for they do not know what they have done. Have mercy on them, but sinners. Lord, we don't reflect mercy because we don't ask for it. And your scripture tells us that if any of us lack wisdom, all we need but to ask for it, and you will give it. And because your mercies are made new each and every day, your faithfulness is true each and every day, Father, we thank you for that. 
And so, Lord, this week, I, I pray that we would all pray for mercy and that we would respond for the opportunity to give it away. And we don't have to run around like pacifists and just let everybody run all over us. We know that that's not what you're asking for. But even when we're offended, we can be merciful in how we respond to that offense. Trusting and believing that perhaps maybe that person just had a terrible day that we couldn't possibly know about. But your love for them is not any different. And right now, they don't need a lecture on all the things they've done wrong. What they need is for someone to reflect God to them because he loves them. Bless us, Lord, to be merciful. Help us, God, to be who you want us to be. We ask this in Christ's name.